0: GP Insights, a health cert podcast, practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Welcome, everybody, to uh, this week's podcast uh, on treating hair loss. And I'd love to introduce you to Dr. Helena Rosengren. Helena is a uh, doctor that's been doing skin and aesthetics for many, many, many years now. She's a senior lecturer at James Cook University, as well as a GP trainer. And Helena, welcome today.
1: Thank you so much, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Wonderful. Um, So talking about treating hair loss, so first question I've got is what sort of hair loss and hair hair thinning concerns do you see in your practice?
1: Well, it's pretty common. It affects a lot of people. In fact, men by the age of 50, well, certainly Caucasian men, about half of them have got visible signs of male pattern hair loss, you know, such as a receding Hairline or a ball patch uh, over the vertex or noticeable thinning. But what we might not realize is that almost every woman will eventually develop some hair loss. And most women start to notice that around the time of menopause.
0: You're mentioning, obviously, you know, with uh, perhaps female patients. I mean, what sort of issues do you typically see with female patients that you manage in your practice?
1: Okay. Well, the, the hair loss pattern is very different in women to men. There, you tend to get a gradual thinning of the part line and then an increasing diffuse hair loss radiating from the top of the hair. But women rarely go bald or get a receiving hairline, actually, um, whereas men generally will, but it, it can take years and years and years of just gradual, gradual thinning of the hair. There is also alopecia areata which is ball patches on the scalp and that's an autoimmune a sometimes inherited condition that needs treatment really needs referral that we don't treat within general practice
0: yeah and is it you know is there any i mean other subgroups you mentioned obviously you know men over 50 is there any other sort of uh, other subgroups besides alopecia that, you know, you do have come into your practice with hair loss concerns?
1: Um, well, hair loss can occur at any time after puberty. And for some men, it'll start in teenage years and early 20s. They are actually the ones that are more likely to present than older men, I have found, um, because there's a stigma associated with hair loss when you're a young man. And same with women. Uh, it can really cause quite a lot, you know, an effect really on emotional well-being quality of life in, in younger men and in women. So it's, it's a significant health concern that it's wonderful to be able to address.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And I know that, uh, I mean, I, I live in Singapore and, uh, you know, as I said, I can definitely for female Asian uh, Asian patients, we do see a lot of um, hair loss once again, particularly as they, uh, as they get older. Um,
1: yes,
0: so, so I'm just wondering what uh, you know what primary care treatments you provide for hair loss and how do they work
1: um well be- before we talk about the treatment because um, yep. it, it really depends on what's caused it as well as to yeah. how we decide to treat that and they, there are numerous causes here, and it's really important to get to the bottom of it so we've got hereditary hormonal and medical conditions as well as um, it can be caused iatrogenically and, as we've said, it can be a normal part of ageing. Scalp infection and inflammation can cause hair loss and trauma even from tying hair too tightly, braiding it too tightly, um, as well as habitual hair pulling. So trichotillomania, so you need to be able to know signs to look out for there to get that diagnosis right. So, um, going back through that, mm, the alopecia is much more common if we've got a family history, especially when it's on both sides of the family. And that's both for men and for women. And it's, it's really nice to do a bit of a family tree and to see whether the men or women were affected. Um, for men, Androgenic hormonal influences are the most common. So it's a testosterone driven uh, condition. It can be in women as well, if they've got an underlying tumor, androgenic tumor or polycystic ovary disease, it's important to ask the right questions to delineate that. And there are a number of medical conditions that can cause hair loss. Of course, if you diagnose these properly, then that hair loss is temporary. So things like iron deficiency, anemia, pernicious anemia, hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism causes it. And actually any really serious acute illness can cause a shedding of hair or even severe emotional stress. Um, I often hear that for uh, people in grade 12, facing exams, that sort of thing. Um, So it's really important to take a good history that includes the age of onset of hair loss, the pattern of hair loss that they've noticed, um, the family history and the age of onset of those family members, a detailed menstrual cycle, and asking about lethargy and other symptoms that might suggest a deficiency of iron or B12 or hypo or hypothyroidism. Also many medications. It's can cause hair loss. It's not a common side effect that we see, but there are many medications that can have it as a side effect. Um, the most significant one is testosterone. And unless you ask the question, you won't find out that a number of your male patients are actually taking testosterone to help build muscle. Um, but there's, there's also a lot of other common habits that, that we use even um, Long-term antibiotics can cause hair loss because it depletes vitamin B levels and some of the common antifungals or anticoagulants, even some cholesterol-lowering tablets like Lipitor. Um, There's a number of them. So it's really important to have the full drug history and question when those medications were started and consider it, maybe look it up. Could it be this?
0: Okay, so... um... Obviously, it's varied, and obviously could be, have many causational effects. I suppose the key thing is then, perhaps, with the, the most common um, treatments that you would provide uh, for those mm. patients, and um, and how do they work?
1: Mm, mm. Um, well, the other thing I like to do is examine the scalp, uh, looking again for that pattern of hair loss that we've already discussed for, uh, and um, for inflammation or infection. But always pick up my dermatoscope. To the dermatoscope mat- is an amazing tool here for hair loss. We're looking for the number of hair shafts for each follicle. And generally, in a healthy head of hair, you would get three or four per hair follicle in front of the head and um, maybe two or three on the sides. But with hair loss, you're losing those hair shafts and you got get far fewer. We also look for the diversity of the hair diameter. So we've normally got these thick terminal hairs on our scalp, but when they fall out and they're replaced by thinner, vellus hair, we get different hair diameters, and we want to know what percentage we've got in each area, and that tells us how advanced the hair loss is and how likely a treatment is to be helpful or whether we should be thinking about earlier referral. Oh. We're also looking for broken hairs, and there's a really wonderful um, thing that I love to find that's called exclamation mark hairs, um, which you can see in alopecia areata where you've got these bald patches of maybe one or maybe several on the scalp. Uh, and that's sign of inflammation, and generally a biopsy there really helps to clinch that diagnosis before you then refer on to a specialist. So far as our treatments go, I think it's really helpful before you start any treatment talk about scalp health with the patient so it can be quite important not to wash hair too often if you're already experiencing hair loss a number of people wash their hair every single day and that's just causing hair to fall out faster so if you can encourage those people to go to alternate days or even every three days, wean them off hair washing. That can be really helpful. But also when they do wash their hair, to actually massage the scalp will be helpful because it increases blood flow to the hair, to the scalp. Well, especially for men, actually, it can be really helpful to have a shampoo that contains a DHT blocker. A DHT is dihydrotestosterone. So a blocker for dihydrotestosterone, because generally in men, it is hormonally influenced. And so that can really help before we start any other treatment. It might be shampoo or it might be a serum. There are also um, supplements on the market. And what really works for hair loss is a B supplement, but it must be high in biotin, which is vitamin B7 because B7 actually promotes red blood cells uh, that then increases the oxygenation and nutrients brought to the the bulb itself. So we know from the research that's particularly helpful. So in my practice, I was stocking all of these things uh, as well and um, choosing the supplements that would help and the regime that would help the patient with just their skin scalp health. Now, the next thing is then, because generally that's absolutely not enough and you need something more, unless, of course, the cause of your hair loss is uh, reversible. It's an acute illness or it's stress-related or you discover it's um, an iron deficiency anemia that you can treat. Then whatever you do, the hair will gradually regrow. But yes, if you do some additional treatments, it may speed up that process. If um, we've got a more long-term hair loss caused by hormonal imbalance, or it's an inherited condition, then um, another treatment is actually going to help. However, it's really, really important that your patient knows that that is not going to fully completely for always reverse the hair loss it is not they have got a long-term condition our job is to slow it down yes we can increase hair and they will need to continue whatever treatment to get the benefit because when they stop the hair loss continues it's a long-term issue that they've got so the common things that we use is monoxidillin. You might have heard of that, Paul. That's um, available over the counter uh, for patients to buy. It, it comes in 2% and in 5%. And it is effective for most men for hair regrowth and for many women, actually. But it takes quite a long time. So you've got to be prepared to use this for six months Morning and night, it's just rubbed into a dry scalp and massaged a bit again to increase um, blood flow into the scalp. Um, and, and that's really worth trying. If after a six-month trial there's been no change at all, or definitely after 12-month trial, then there's no point in continuing. If it does work and the patient subsequently stops it, their hair loss will start again. So you do need to tell them that so that. It encourages their compliance. The next thing we've got is um, platelet-rich plasma, which has been researched in the literature, and we know it can work really well for some people. So this is when you draw a sample of blood and you spin it down and take off the platelets and then inject that back under the scalp. It can be quite painful, um, can be worth using a topical anesthetic, Um, but it is effective for many people after a few months. But my initial regime would be to use it monthly for three months and then go on to three to six monthly use, longer term. And it could take a few months before patients notice the change in their hair, but generally when they do see that regrowth and the thickening of the hair, they're quite keen to come back and have top-up treatments. This can be used in conjunction with monoxidil or on its own. And the other thing, I don't know if you know, Paul, but red light has been shown to be really helpful so- for some people with hair loss. Um, so if in your clinic you're doing PDT treatments and you've got you know, red light available, that can be really helpful to use in conjunction um, following a PRP treatment to just put them under that red light for 10 or 20 minutes. It needs to be 630 to 618 nanometers. I was also just going to say there's red light caps available on the market that people can buy. Now, there have been actually lots of clinical trials done on red light caps or red light helmets, and um, the results are really, really encouraging. A lot of people will get noticeable hair thickening and more hair growth. So that's definitely worthwhile talking to your patients about too. It does yeah. need to be used three times a week and you do need to keep it up. Again, we're looking at six, 12 months and and probably longer, you know, because this is a long-term issue.
0: Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. And then so what sort of training or, I mean, obviously, from the equipment perspective, obviously having, you know, red light available and particularly if you are managing patients with pdt etc you know you're likely to have one but what training uh, you know have you gone through or are aware of that's in relation to help develop the skill set that you have
1: well i have to say probably not not and <laughs> um, the uh, we bought the machines and obviously that came with someone who helped show us what to do but i think if you are a skin cancer or a cosmetic doctor, you already know a lot about drawing up, about injecting. It's injection technique. It's actually very straightforward with PRP. You're just Mm -hmm. filling your syringe uh, with the platelets and putting a long, fine needle on, injecting um, or or, um, popping that into the scalp to its full length and then just injecting as you withdraw the needle in in a fanning motion all around the scalp.
0: Okay. And then what sort of patients do you typically refer on to a specialist dermatologist for hair loss treatment?
1: So uh, um, it is really important. That's such an important question, Paul. I would refer anyone on that I'm seeing with alopecia areata. I might do the biopsy of the scalp if I see those little exclamation marks on dermoscopy first to help uh, clinch that diagnosis. But this is an incurable autoimmune disease, uh, but that can be made better with serious medications. And that might be injected corticosteroids or immunosuppression such as methotrexate. So it definitely needs specialist care. Sometimes the patients that come in for hair loss are looking for a permanent solution. We've got to be really honest with them. What we can offer is not permanent. The only permanent solution actually is hair transplant. So there may be a few of your patients that really want to go there and then you would definitely refer straight on. And if you have tried some hair loss treatment, maybe you've had your patient on minoxidil, you've gone up to 5%, um, you've, uh, perhaps you've added in PRP or even red light treatment, and after 6 to 12 months, the patient's saying, no, I cannot see any benefit at all, you need to refer them on. And the specialist there might take them to the next step, like, for example, for a woman, they might add in uh, spironolactone, which can be helpful for some. It's an anti-androgen drug that can certainly be helpful for some women. Or um, the, there's also finasteride for men that uh, we certainly as GPs would not be prescribing because they, it can have some nasty side effects, um, but that would be a, a specialist treatment that can be really very effective. Uh, for men but it really depends on (laughs) what's more important to them hair or libido in many cases um um, they they would be the main reasons for referral
0: yeah i understand are there any risks or limitations involved with treating hair loss
1: um, generally, what we what the things that we choose to do in clinic in a primary care setting are very safe, but it's obviously important to choose your patients carefully to take a proper history. You do not want to miss uh, an androgenic tumour, for example. You don't want to miss these serious things or even an iron deficiency, anemia or a hypothyroidism. So um, a careful history, uh, maybe a blood screen as well, uh, appropriate to how they've answered your questions. Um, also, wanting to make sure they don't have unrealistic expectations. They do understand that they've got a long term problem that will need to be managed rather than cured. Um, so, so long as you look at those things, things are the things that we use in primary care setting are pretty safe. Minoxidil can cause um, an alcohol-related skin irritation and sometimes the new hair that grows will differ a little bit in colour and texture, but most people um, are not bothered by that. And very occasionally people can get, I've seen this just occasionally, excessive hair on the cheek or the forehead or temple area um, as a result of minoxidil. That's particularly the case with that stronger 5% solution. It's, it's not common though. Of course, when it comes to specialist intervention and using those other drugs like maybe methotrexate or finasteride, uh, yes, they'll certainly have side effects. So, yes, but we'll leave that problem with them. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that's good. And then any advice for a doctor obviously looking to put hair loss into their practice and how they'd get started?
1: Well, I'd say educate yourself on the causes and the presentation, um, how to diagnose uh, various causes and and your management for hair loss. Advise your patient on scalp health and supplements and then, yes, carry on and use minoxidil and certainly add in PRP and red light treatment. They really need very little training, actually.
0: Wonderful. Well, look, I would to say, Helena, thank you very much for that. It was very insightful, and I, I said it is obviously something which is, uh, you know, very common. And as I said, it has lots of psychological as well as physiological uh, consequences for patients. So, uh, thank you very much for your sharing with us today. Um, My pleasure. And said, excellent. And we we do cover hair loss as part of the aesthetics program. So, if you are interested in doing it and upskilling yourself, we're obviously very happy to assist. But thank you very much for your time honor and thank you everybody for listening to the podcast today thank you thanks for listening if you like the podcast please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more and please share it with others and for more info please go to healthcert.com